would be an ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Feathered Head podcast. We're up to season two, episode nine, New Jack City, and it's episode 15 of our podcast. And this week's guest is a lifelong Feathered Head fan. It's Sean Trinner. How are you doing, Sean? Not too bad. What have you been up to? Have you watching the episodes and uh, keep it up to date with it? Yeah, um, I gave the episode another watch there yesterday and uh, I, I, I liked it. it. It is one of the better ones, I think. Um, well, it's was, definitely one of the funniest characters, uh, Finton Stack. He's a very unusual character, I find, um, whenever he's compared to, say, other, other characters in Father Ted. And uh, I was listening actually to the commentary, and uh, Ardlo Hanlon said that initially, whenever he was recording, he didn't actually like uh, the character. Oh, right. um, he was saying that uh, he thought he was too violent, almost too aggressive. Too aggressive, yeah. It sort of, well, I suppose that's what made him stick out so much in Craggy Island, the Craggy Island world, because he, uh, because he was so aggressively obnoxious. As opposed to everyone else who's just had their eccentricities is what made them annoying yeah i think um i think uh what graham linehan was saying was that the way that they actually wrote it was almost worse than that oh really so they had to yeah dial it so back. so uh brent and grace actually had to dial it back a bit and uh he was saying that in a way he dialed it back because he was still aggressive but he whispered everything you know whenever you hear him saying the things it's like I'd put your head through the wall. Yeah. He just says it really deadpan and sort of. He's not. He doesn't look aggressive. He's smiling when he says it. So uh, it sort of gives it more menace. Gives gives it a bit more menace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a few shoutouts before we get fully into the episode. Uh, I got a shout out to the congregation here. Um, our future Eucharistic minister Keel Cathers. Do you know Keel uh, from um, the Logs? I don't know. No. Do you know the Logs? Uh, I know the Logs, uh, yeah. He's the lead singer. Right. Uh, he's currently promoting his new record, and he's uh, agreed to be on the mic later on in the series, so that's, uh, that's big news. Uh, and we've got one of our uh, super fans who's going to be doing a reading now. I think he's been bumped up the congregation, Richard Fenton. He keeps uh, he keeps commenting on the Facebook page, so a big shout-out to, to him, and we'll give him, a, we'll give him a reading to do later on as well. Right. Lovely. Sorry about that, lads. You didn't have your phone on at mass. No, definitely not. Uh, but the first thing we'll get into in the episode is uh, the title, New Jack City. Does that mean anything to you? Did they uh, mention it in the commentary? No, they didn't mention the the episode name at all. Um, not, I don't, I don't get a meaning from it. To be well, uh, New Jack, well, New Jack is like a sort of genre thing that was happening in sort of Black American culture around the early nineties. So right. A lot of New Jack swing was a type of music, okay. um, sort of like boys to men, that sort of idea, and anything deeper than that. Yeah. Uh, and New Jack City was a film uh, by Mario von Peebles, uh, and his father was the uh, director of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. So do you know the Simpsons episodes? Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song? Yeah. That's yeah. where the name comes from. Right, okay. But uh, Mario actually acted in it, and he was present during a sex scene, and his father got in a lot of trouble for having a minor uh, in a sex scene. Right. Uh, but he said, oh, it's, it's just my son's 18. This is, uh, you're talking out of your arse. Turns out he was actually 13, so he was actually committing right. a federal yeah. offence, but yeah. uh, <laughs> he managed to get out of it. And there's also a New Jack, was also a wrestler in ECW. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's New Jack City, uh, that's where it all comes from. So, okay. <clears throat> but I don't I don't get the where it has anything to do with, uh, with Finch and Stack or Sint, mm. the, the Jurassic Park. No, no. Um, unless the people in this band were particularly hairy or something. 
I don't think so, no. Well, not that, not that I'm aware of, but possibly, possibly. Uh, but I suppose it's just a new Jack, because they've got rid of Jack, well, yeah, Father Jack, yeah. and now they've got a new Jack. So yeah, yeah a, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, though. Yeah, because we have it has been an ongoing, uh, ongoing discussion on this podcast as about their episode titles. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we open up the episode, and uh, Ted is listening to uh, Ted is listening to the racing on the radio. Divorce referendum in the lead, followed by Glory be to God, Glory be to God, nipping a divorce referendum's heels. Glory be to God, beats ahead of divorce referendum. Oh, come on, divorce referendum! Come on, divorce referendum! Divorce referendum is way in front. <laughs> Yes! Yes! Oh no! Disaster for the divorce referendum as he turns in the opposite direction. He simply runs off the course. You flip! You flipping, flipping flipper! Oh, it's the knacker's yard for you, pal! So, what role do you see the church assuming? I see a massive Hello, role Ted. for the church. What are you listening to? Oh, it's um, yes, a just a program about the church and, uh, you know, huge, God and so giant. on. It's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, I know you do that uh, Meet the Maker thing, so that was another one on it. That was what you mentioned that, yeah. Um, and the two horses were Divorce Referendum and uh, Glory Be to God. Yeah. And I suppose if you were to expect a priest to go for any horse, it would be Glory Be to God. But obviously Ted is... Uh, Come on, Divorce Referendum! <laughs> he's, he's very adamant that uh, Divorce Referendum wins. And uh, of course, in the end up, he loses and uh, declares that it's the knacker's yard for him. It's for the horse, yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, I was very surprised when I saw that line because that's... Uh, in Knacker's Yard, that almost sounds like sort of travelist. Is that is that a word? But the the Knacker's Yard, actually, if I'm correct in that, is a term used for where horses used to go, and whenever horses were more widely used for transport and things like that, there, um, the old horses would go for the Knackers, go to the Knacker's Yard, and then they would be torn apart and the use made of whatever they for could glue? I don't know they make glue with them they use them for whatever else use them for meat for to feed to other animals and stuff like that there so that's what's yeah right I did not know that well, in my head it was about uh, is where travellers lived well I think then the knackers Became. comes from oh, because okay, the people right. who would use, do whatever to the horses were travellers so oh I see right, right. Yeah. so you couldn't get away with that kind of joke now we're real clear with the travellers these days yeah Members of the travelling community, as they like to be known. Exactly. I wouldn't mind being a traveller, you know. Not none of the fucking bullshit like paying mortgages and all that sort of crap. I I like I like being in a caravan. So I mean, I'd I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. It's just just uh, up sticks here, Sean. A lot of times that you see people, you know, well, if it's on the motorway and you're behind a caravan where you can take over, you sort of think. Well, it must be away somewhere nice. It, that could be fun. <laughs> but then, if you're on a one-lane road and they're driving at about forty miles an hour, and you just want to get past them, it can be very annoying. Well, they're they're traveling at snail's pace. Yeah. With their house on their back. Yeah, I mean, they have to go slow, otherwise the thing will fishtail. But I, I, I still, it's still annoying. Well, if you, if you have a, a caravan, right? Presumably, you've got it furnished with plates and cups and everything. What they're, happens to them while they're on the road? they're all in it's it's actually really well designed caravans like they have a place for everything and everything in its place you know and the cups are on hooks so that they can't fall off and the plates are all held in with pegs it's actually really oh okay yeah and anytime you're in trouble with John Law you just get in the front seat and just drive away 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, but you did mention that the horse that he was backing was divorce referendum, and of course we have mentioned the podcast before that it was a very contemporary issue for uh, for Ireland at the time. I think the divorce referendum would have already happened at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, it was would have been a massive issue in the Catholic Church. But I did want to bring up that um, Simpsons always already did a few jokes about horse racing. Is the mob episode, wasn't it? Yabba dabba do out in front and. Uh, oh yeah, that Homer bet on a on a horse and it was like always comes num I'm number one yeah. always comes in second and then Homer back last day. <laughs> last day, nice, nice. But he couldn't he couldn't fail when he got Santa's little helper. Yeah. That Christmas like. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you did mention we had to meet the maker there, so it, and I think it was Arthur. Was that it right? was Arthur Matthews. Yeah. yeah, so he's now six two up. So I don't think Graham's going to catch him at this point. No, I don't I, think so. I think it's a run race at this, yeah. as they say. But uh, Ted Ted was very upset, of course, when he was uh, when he lost. You flipping flipper! He must have had a lot of money on it. Well, exactly. He wasn't resting his account this time. He was, yeah. he was actually, you know, putting it to good use. I sort, I, I sort of wonder if uh, if maybe Ted has a bit of a gambling problem because. Um, there was the time whenever he bet the heating alliance on uh, Chris the Sheep. Um, you yes, know, of course. Yeah. Anytime you see him and he, he's fantasizing about what he'd do if he wasn't a priest, he's always in Las Vegas in betting casino, on yeah, right enough, and stuff yes. like that there. So I had this theory that uh, the money that was resting in his account was maybe gambled away. Oh, right. Interesting, interesting. Because I never, never clocked that uh, gambling uh, through line before. Yeah. So I'll keep an eye open for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. But it was a proper old school wireless. Like, uh, yeah, I love those radios. They're so reliable, and they never seem to run out of battery. And have you noticed that now the the the, digi, the DAB digital radios they all seem to be reverting to that old sort of retro style. We have one. In the, oh yes, I was about to say we have one in the kitchen, but it's not. It's uh, it's my house at home. But yes, they are that sort of perfect sort of shape. It's about the size of a brick. Yeah, and uh, it's just a big knob. Yeah. You get the, the proper hiss, you know. Yeah, brilliant piece of engineering. But there's no aerials or anything on them, like. They're... Um, I'm not sure how those ones work. It was something to do with crystals or something. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but well, um. Well, my granny had one. Yeah. Back in the eighties, and it still works. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Things back then were made to last. Exactly. We mentioned that in the podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Doug comes back in from uh, giving Jack a walk, or what he thought was giving Jack a walk, but he felt that the. The wheelchair did seem a bit light to the Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the way that uh, Dougal at that time has the mittens attached to his coat as well. It sort of gives him that childlike appearance. Yeah, it did a very schoolboy uh, out in winter. And I did yeah. notice they were consistent with it because every time they opened the front door, the background was all snowy. Yeah. Uh, so they were they were uh, keeping their heads on with that as well. So like lesser shows would have would have forgotten about that. No, it's it was it was. I mean, everything's really well thought through. And exactly. You keep yeah. seeing the throwbacks to previous episodes as well. Well, there's a few I noticed today that I didn't actually, I didn't actually notice before. For example, one time he, he uh, with Dougal, Dougal says to Ted, as Ted's about to go down and challenge Finton. Yeah. Is it careful now? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if that was uh, a deliberate callback to the from the sign. Yeah. Yeah. But it probably was. Like they would have been aware of how, how deeply that that sort of. Uh, that went down with the fans like how well that went down with the fans so. it might have been I mean the thing that I noticed was um, whenever whenever they eventually find Jack he's on the floor and they put him into the seat and then Ted tells Dougal to take off his gloves and uh, they realise it isn't gloves it's the hairy hands Dougal takes out a comb 
to uh, to to comb the hair on Jack's hands, and it's it's from the Holy Stone of the Clan Holy Record. Stone of Clan Record. I did notice that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and that didn't actually come up in the main Holy Stone episode. That was from episode six. Yeah, that was from previously the time whenever Jack died. Exactly. Yeah. So even that was a full circle of Jack's health, I suppose. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but did you, did you notice that Dougal, whenever Jack was lying on the floor, Dougal just give him a wee t- kick, you know, to check if he's alive or anything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you see at the end credits in the sports day scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have a bit of a pile on and Dougal just squeezes in with a good old kick. Uh, he gets a sneaky dig in. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dougal always at the fringes of the fights, just hitting the stick. Uh, hitting yeah. The, uh, he saw his opportunity and he went for it. You have to admire that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so as you say, Jack was, um, Jack was coming down with stage six. Yes. Stage six. Uh, hairy hands. What, what was the what was the affliction called? Um, I think it was just hairy hands. He, I think whenever uh, Ted phones up, um, Saint Clavers. When it, when he when he phones up the doctor. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. he uh, he says it's the hairy hands thing again. So it it's just a. So I think it's just. I don't think it has a name. It's just yeah, it's just an affliction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor Sinnott, who's also been mentioned before in the show. Yeah, he's been mentioned a few times. And uh, Father Bigley has been mentioned a few times in the show. Yeah. And we find out today that not only is he a, a cross-dressing gun owner for the Iraqis, Father Bigley, I thought he was dead. No, he just looks dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we had a teacher in school who was coming down with a, a similar affliction. Would you have thought? Oh yeah, yeah. And that that was. Uh, he, but he was hairy everywhere. That wasn't just his hands. I mean, he just but seemed that, like a big hairy guy. Well, that would have been stage seven, because we've seen Possibly. stage twelve. Stage twelve, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was somewhere in. The, I I'd have put him about maybe a good nine, eight or nine. Eight or nine, okay. Yeah. So you you would have given him a uh, strong prognosis then. Yeah, definitely. He would have been up in Jurassic Park a long time ago. <laughs> if I, if I was. Uh, that in was Christian Brother was it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, it was, it, he did just, like, whenever he went down to write in your book or something, it was just so distracting. I know. And then, like, whenever he was talking, he'd be sort of moving his hands around to describe things, but you couldn't really focus on what he was saying. You were yeah. always thinking, <laughs> my God, he's such hairy hands. How did he move through the air? The aerodynamics yeah. would sure be pulling him back. You can actually hear sometimes it's like reeds blowing in in the wind whenever he, whenever he gestures. <laughs> Jack's health is quite a concern then because before his whole head has gone septic it's yeah and I mean it's it's obviously uh, they obviously have a dedicated line to uh, Dr. Sinnott that's right the red phone the red phone and uh, Ted doesn't even need to dial whenever he picks it up so uh, if if they have a dedicated line then Jack's health must obviously be paramount concern they've got the hotline right to the doctor yeah Uh, and it, it is like it's like Batman's phone to Commissioner Gordon yeah, just yeah. a red light, sort of flashing light, and the, <laughs> the buzzing sound. And uh, Doctor Sinnott is dealing with another patient, just checking their pulse. But as soon as the red light buzzer goes, he just drops, drops everything. Yeah, he probably has lost count immediately. So probably. Yeah, yeah. Good old Doctor Sinnott. I mean, at least he knows. Uh, he knows where his uh, priorities should lie. Definitely, you have to look out for the for the priests. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, they're the ones that'll uh, keep everyone else coming to you as well. You see, so definitely. And we find out that Jack, he had a term for the needy. Ted, why is Jack so scared of doctors? Well, I, I think they remind him of illness. He doesn't like to think about his own mortality, you know. That's why he always hated visiting the sick. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, he hates the sick. And the poor. <laughs> he hates the poor as well. Oh, the poor really got on his nerves. Yeah. And the needy. <laughs> Them as well. 
What was it he used to say about the needy? He had a term for them. Uh, a shower of bastards. That was it. <laughs> I, I was writing down, actually, all the people that Jack dislikes, and they went through the sick, the poor, and the needy, which, as you were saying, he has a term for, a shower of bastards. A shower of bastards. And which then, is the... Yeah, which is the... Uh, the, the proper collective term for bastards. Yeah, a shower. A shower, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then later on, uh, they were talking in bed and they were saying that he disliked people, uh, he disliked strangers and then also people he knew. Yeah. So in in the one episode, you get uh, a, a, an insight into the amount of people that Jack dislikes. Which is pretty much everyone. Pretty much everybody. Apart yeah. from the person serving him beer. Well, even then, I, I don't think he likes the person, just, just the, the beer. beer. Yeah. And I was I was thinking as well because Dougal uh, gets drunk later on the episode. Yeah. And uh, on his way out the door, Ted's dragging him out the door and he goes to the pub. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be a pub in Craig Allen. Well, there's the one whenever you remember the one where they had uh, Chinatown and. Uh, oh yes, of course. Yeah. Ted went there to smooth things over with the Chinese, <laughs> and uh, and they they were all in the pub. Um, there was a time whenever somebody threw an egg at him so he went into a pub where there was Irish music playing to, to escape from it and then obviously whenever he gets in he sees it's full of Asian people yeah. so then, <laughs> okay so there is one pub on the island then yeah so there's at least one but how, how would Jack Jack wouldn't sit well in there I wouldn't say if it's got such an open door policy for everyone well I mean he seems to have alcohol hidden everywhere around the house so. yeah exactly I mean it gets delivered to the house, I'd say, at this point. Yeah. It's just the prisoners come in. Plus, he's not really fussy. I mean, like, he's drank toilet duck and incense and things like that there. Of course, so. yeah, of course. And, and powers of all. Oh, well, yeah. that's the worst of everything. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then Ted, Ted is described, or Dr. Sinnott advises Ted that maybe he should send uh, Jack up to St. Clabert's, or Jurassic Park, as it became known. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ted's secretly excited about this, but he doesn't hide it very well. But for a start, he goes, yes, I mean, oh, no, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then when he puts the doctor out the door, he starts celebrating, like, Fabrizio Ravinelli. Yeah, he has the, the cardigan over his head and everything and uh, running up and down the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> he only just about gets it down before he gets through the door. It was, uh, yeah, well, it was well-timed, you see, just to get it back on, just to go through the door. I like that, too, though. I mean, I would imagine that those were those two scenes were filmed at different times whenever he's doing the running up and down the corridor and then whenever he walks through the door but you can see that his jumper's still ruffled whenever he comes through the door yeah. so there's a lot of there's good there's good continuity in that uh yeah we well, see i'm not sure about ted uh if it is filmed in front of the studio audience is that, is that something you've ever come across um i think it is right yeah uh but the only way in american shows they had to actually say it when it happened because yeah uh, Fraser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Well, or it was usually Cosby, actually. But uh. th- That's actually... Um, the reason I know that is because um, on the commentary, uh, Graham Lennon actually said that that was filmed the week of the Dunbane Massacre. Oh, fuck, right. So he said that it was actually a really strange atmosphere. Yeah, I can imagine. Whenever, yeah. whenever they were filming it, because, you know, obviously that there's playing heavy on people's minds and stuff. But he did say that um, some woman actually wrote to him after Dunblane. She, uh, I don't know if it was one of her relatives were in it. And she said that she never thought she'd be able to laugh again until she watched Father Ted. Oh, fantastic, right? Yeah, so but, that... um, you know, it would have been brilliant uh, if Graham Linehan hadn't lost the letter and uh, never actually wrote back to her 
Oh no! <laughs> but I suppose she 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 got what she needed out of it, so that that's good. Well, was it Judy Murray? Was it Andy's Andy's mother? Because Andy Murray was in that massacre, like. I really. Yeah. I did not know that. I don't know if the gunman actually went into his classroom. Yeah. But he was in the school at the time, like. Wow. Uh. So yeah, that's and he went on to be world champion tennis player. Making a, a negative into a positive, definitely. Well, exactly, yeah. Maybe it was Father's head that steered the course. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Uh, but yeah, fuck, I didn't know that at all. Uh, what, was there anything else on the commentary that you wanted to mention? He was saying about, um, like, you know, whenever you, you've said before about um, they poke fun at priests, but they don't, like, they're not cruel about it yeah. in a way. And um, he was saying that Arthur Matthews' favorite thing was always sort of awkwardness. So you see that a lot whenever, right, okay. you know, like Ted will try to explain something whenever you know it's unexplainable. And uh, he was saying that that was something that they both had in common. That um, you know, they didn't hate priests. He says that there was times whenever there's been things that have happened in their family, and there's been priests there, and you know they are part of the community in Ireland yeah exactly yeah. Um, but he was saying that uh, he's an atheist um, and he was saying that what he liked more was whenever you say things in a certain way like he says if you talk with people they're very unwilling to actually use the term atheist to describe themselves but whenever you actually talk to them about their beliefs and stuff like that it's pretty clear that they are atheists Right, okay, as in like if he's just chatting to somebody at a wake or something? Yeah, like right. if, he, if he was chatting to somebody just generally, you know, not talking about religion, well, I suppose he'd have to be talking about religion, but, you know, believing in God and their beliefs, uh, theological beliefs, I suppose. He always said that people would be very unwilling to describe themselves as an atheist, but whenever you hear what they believe, it's, I mean, that's what they are. Yeah. And he was saying that that's the way he always saw the priests being, like the people that he talks to so there's almost a pretense that they have to keep up but they don't really believe it right yeah. i mean one of the episodes was the one where jack died and uh you know he's saying oh he's he's gone ted he's gone and then he says sure we'll see him in the in the afterlife yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well Dougal pretty much is we've come to the conclusion last week uh that Dougal is some sort of messiah yeah, <laughs> yeah, or some sort of prophet at least, because he's only one who actually sees through this uh, visage of or the pretense, and he's uh, he's immune to the pain, the ten steps of pain. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Dougal, yeah. So maybe he's some sort of enlightened one that the rest really? can't uh, keep up with. Um, you remember the one where they were upgrading the holy stone of Clan Record? Of course, um, yeah. He was talking with that bishop. I forget his name. That's bishop Fax, I think. I think Bishop Fax is the older one who had the heart attack, wasn't he? No, it was Bishop Jordan. Oh, was it? Right. Yeah. Well, um, he was uh, he was talking to him and and uh, he says he's he's treasured this one. Yeah. To, to Ted. He's, yeah, well, he's, exactly. He has yeah. wisdom beyond his years. Apparently. Well, that's it. So. Yeah. So he's the only one who's actually enlightened enough. Yeah. See the hippies. You see the hippies are always a step ahead of the. Yeah, they they know the score. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then we have uh, Jack uh, figures out Jack needs to get away. Because uh, he hears a doctor's coming, yeah, and uh, he decides to start escaping on a on a flymo. On a f- oh, yeah, a ride on lawnmower. Yeah, I didn't realize they had, they were uh, they had uh, brand names and everything. Well, apparently they do. But how, well, at least we know they do. Well, to to be honest, I don't think flymo even make ride on lawnmowers because they make the electric ones that 
like that's oh, why they're that's why they're called flamos because they sort of hover they don't have wheels that's one you actually plug in yeah so uh, yes yeah so i doubt it was actually a flamo brand right on lawnmower other brand right on lawnmowers are available yeah did you ever have one no yeah did you ever have a lawn like a necessitated one we, we, we actually were going to get one and then we took it out for a test drive on our lawn and because of the pet like the roll off on our lawn it actually kept sliding down towards the fence it was oh shit so you're actually just it. cutting off yeah so just couldn't have one no well uh, my dad got one like years and years ago yeah it's like the greatest thing ever you just fly around this thing you stick it onto third gear and you'd hit nearly five or six miles an hour oh yeah and yeah he, he even uh, got in the cement right you could even just you know swing in the back out yeah, swing the back out and dig up your whole lawn. Yeah, <laughs> well, you had to you had to pull the blades up so you weren't like chopping into the cement or anything. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Ted needs to set the alarm uh, for the morning, and <laughs> um, just after him and Dougal settle down for the night, and as soon as he does, uh, Dougal gets straight back up and starts stressing himself. Yeah, there's there's a couple of instances of Dougal's stupidity uh, in in that little segment. And um, the first one is where he says, it seems like yesterday. And Ted's like, because it was yesterday. Well, see, you could argue that that's him just being enlightened again. That well, he's, he's just, uh, you know, taking away the, uh, it seems like, the, you know, the facade of it seems like yesterday. But it was. Yeah, but I think, you know, seems like has a certain meaning, yeah. which is, it's it, not, but it's like that. It's like that. Huh? <laughs> um well, Ted was getting a bit impatient uh, when they were just about to fall asleep at that point, yeah. And uh, it, I don't know, I, th- I thought he was getting a bit, he was getting annoyed at, at Dougal at this point. I think by this point, he's just like, Jesus Christ, it, I'm just going to have to stop him and just shut him up from now on. Because like, yeah. he has done that a few times now. He's like, just do stop talking, Dougal. <laughs> yeah. But I want to bring up the fact that he gets up and dresses himself because uh, from when they go to Jurassic Park, it seems that priests are. Uh, very very uh, responsive to light yes yeah I didn't so think maybe this that. was the first uh, the first instance of it yeah it I don't know if it's it, it doesn't seem to be a normal thing for Father Jack but whenever they put him in with all the other priests it seems to be a thing and uh, like you say whenever Dougal sees the uh, sees the light going on he he's, he's straight up yeah so see, if, you, if you could train yourself that to be that automated response to a light going on yeah, to I'd, wake up every morning. I'd just be ha- very happy if yeah. I could get up that easily in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. So just just practice that. You practiced that for a while, didn't you? Trying to wake up specifically to a. a I, an I did. There, there was there was a technique that I learned online, where you have to train yourself to get up so that it's almost like an automatic response, and you're supposed to do it, you know, at night, um, to train, and then whenever you wake up, then you it's like an automatic response but whenever I did it at night I got into bed and I was like oh this is too cozy I don't want to get up now so then but that's the training you have to train yourself over the hump yeah no I, I just whenever I got into bed then I was like no that's it that's, and when you say at night do you mean like at 8pm or something or do you mean at like 2am so you're supposed to do it um, like before you fall asleep so say you fall asleep naturally at 12 so you'll take 5 minutes where you set your alarm for one minute past 12 and then as soon as it goes off you get straight up so you like throw the covers off and stand up and then you do it at two get minutes past 12 your, your morning press do three minutes past 12 and then you, you keep practicing it so that it's fresh in your mind so that then whenever you go to sleep and eventually wake up and your alarm goes off it'll oh, just be your right. automatic response you just throw the blankets off and get up yeah well see 
Yeah, my automatic response when I wake up is just go straight over and press the fucking snooze button. <laughs> That's the same for me. I, I have I have like alarms set for, you know, different parts of the room. About ten everything. different <laughs> yeah. times. Uh, but yeah, and then we finally get an introduction to our uh, to our nightmare priest, Fenton Stack, as played as you said by Brendan Grace. Yeah. Hello there, uh, Father. Father, who are you? Who are you? Ah, Father Ted Crilly. Very pleased to meet you. Oh, what's this? Oh, I see, it's from the bishop. Right. Ah, I see you're taking Father Jack's place. Well, this is a surprise. Has Mrs. Doyle shown you around the house? Well, anyway, welcome to Craggy Island. The meals are at 11, 1, half 2, 3, 5, 7 and 9. And if you ever want a quick snack, you can just ask Mrs. Doyle there. No, uh, no, actually, that, that's, that's actually mine. Well, you, you go ahead there and have it anyway. <laughs> uh, Dougal, uh, this is uh, Father Finton Stack. He'll be staying with us now that Father Jack's gone. All right, Jack. Uh, this is the brains of the operation. Uh, no, that'll be Ted. <laughs> I want to listen to some music. Oh, go ahead there. I wasn't asking for permission. It's actually... There's actually... Um, a bit of a theme running through uh, Father Ted in that they get comedians rather than actors to to play the big parts. I mean, like, Dermot himself and Ardlo Hanlon, both stand-up comics. Um, you had Tommy Tiernan was in it, yeah. Graham Norton was in it, Brenton Grace now. You know, there's there's so many times whenever they've went for comedians rather than actual actors. Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I was chatting to a chatting to a boy I used to know uh, who was a cartoonist in the Sun, and he was saying that, yeah, in the mid nineties, if you're a comedian at all in Ireland, you were getting on Father Ted just yeah. to pump your career up. And I did find out today actually that uh, in the football episode there was a famous comedian playing the referee. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he's he's actually recreated football episodes. I'm going to bring that up in the in the over seventy fives football tournament because yeah. he actually stood in the same sports hall. And said, "Those aren't real arms." <laughs> <laughs> because there's actually, um, th- there's actually a bit of a disconnect there, um, in that you have um, Frank Kelly, obviously a well-established actor, and Pauline as well. She was in, she did stage acting and stuff. Yeah. Well-established actors, and you have Frank Kelly sitting there saying "feck, arse, and drink" yeah. most of the time, <laughs> and then you have Dermot Morgan who wasn't a trained actor at all and he's the main character exactly and getting all the pathos moments and, and everything right? and uh, they said that there was a bit of uh, not discord but you know like sometimes if Dermot's doing it and needs to do it again needs to do it again Frank Kelly be sort of sitting there just sort of muttering under his breath you know oh, amateurs <laughs> but one of the producers said that it was actually good and that you know with an actor you get the same response all the time you get what you want but he said that there's a certain spontaneity and sometimes whenever they were filming it in front of the audience that they would do an extra look or do something that they had you know that they thought would be funny to sort of feed off the vibe Just, of the audience yeah and, exactly and it yeah. worked actually for them well i do have the theory that uh comedic actors are the best actors right because it's it's much harder to act funny like you can you can do the whole jim carrey thing all you want or even that's quite a skill in itself to be that sort of um you know aggressively uh, wacky and zany yeah but to do it then in a sort of fathered head way or um, Paul Whitehouse is very good at it as well just really really um, 
small acting but make it incredibly funny like that is really really hard yeah so then when you know if you put those kind of actors into uh you know dramatic places in they, they've got a, such a better insight into what into emoting like yeah i know that um leslie nielsen um was just like a normal actor for most much of his career and then he eventually got into do you know like airplane and hot shots, hot shots yeah. and all that sort of stuff and he said that it was really really difficult for him and well, really, he, all he was doing, he was playing the straight man. Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, but he wouldn't wouldn't really say he was playing the straight man because in Hot Shots he was very, very, he was very dim-witted. Right. But he was playing it so down the line, like yeah. so straight-laced. Yeah. Uh, that you could, you would think he was just playing the straight man, but he was just saying such idiotically stupid things like uh, his hat blew off the ship. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, this massive like uh, warship. Yeah. Just let's swing around and pick it back up again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so it was like. Uh, like, like, so the fact that they had comedians in, well, as you say, comedians would respond to the audience a lot better. Um, as you say, they can have little moments where they can pick up the vibe and like, oh, somebody's chucking over there. Yeah. If I just do one little thing, it'll have them in, in stitches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they would have that performance side of things as well. I suppose um, it's it's a very audience-facing job. I mean, you're out there by yourself. Yeah. And you know, you have to respond to the audience. So exactly, I yeah. suppose they have that intuitive. It's uh, it's one of the things, like I've, I've been an actor in stages and everything. I would very difficult to get up and do a stand-up set. Yeah, yeah. Because the worst thing is that nobody nobody makes any sound. I know, you're, yeah. there, you're there to make people laugh. Yeah. If nobody does that, <laughs> then basically you failed. Yeah, exactly. And then the fact that you're failing becomes then the fucking focus of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it was in the Empire, uh, the Empire of the Cromedy night, and there was a guy came in and he was like just uber, uber hipster. Like a fucking this was like back in two thousand six or something as well. Right. So this was before hipster had even happened. Yeah. And he was wearing like, you know, big massive retro uh, sneakers and skin tight jeans and his hair all quiffed in some uh, yeah. crazy way. And he came out and he just did not look the part and was never gonna play in Belfast at all. Yeah. And he said he went and did his fifteen minute set. He was about twenty two or something. And uh <laughs> People at Belfast are reasonably nice, weren't heckling or anything, they just started chatting themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, all he was performing to was this like buzz of uh, gentle conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'd uh, say if you went into the toilets afterwards, you'd probably hear a gentle sobbing coming from the cubicle. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. He was up there saying, God, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great crowd, this isn't it? Uh, yeah, and he, like he was struggling just to get them, but then then a comedian from Dublin came on and uh, he just had them within seconds, like, yeah, so it, it is. It's all about your stage presence and how you can read an audience and everything. And definitely, yeah. <laughs> so Fenton Stack, he's a big, he's a big drum and bass fan. Big time. Yeah. Jungle music. Jungle music. Yeah. It's very, it's very hard. It's very hard music to get to like. It's definitely, it's definitely hard to get into as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering if they picked that because it is almost such an assault on the eardrums. It is well. I say that was a lot to do with it. I do know a few people who are into it. Yeah. Right. Like I find it hard to even countenance what you where you'd even start to get into jungle music like because I know. it it is it is quite innovative and do you know how they make it? No. So they basically they'll get a drum sample of like just you know right. or something like that and they yeah. just speed it up to about three hundred beats per minute. Yeah. So then it's just yeah. And uh, you know if you have other samples going over that then you've got a rhythm and stuff and right okay. And as you've seen with Finton, you can actually get into a groove where you're dancing and everything. Yeah. Especially if you've got uh, if you've got the assistance of mind altering substances, I'm sure it helps as well. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm with Ted. I think it sounds like somebody drilling into a wall. Well, exactly, exactly. 
I did I did put Shazam on when uh, the songs were coming on. So right. the first song he played was Limb by Limb by Cutty Ranks. Okay. Yeah, and the second song he played, uh, this is when Mrs. Doyle came in. Yeah. Was DJ Tactics the way VIP mix. Right. So they didn't even go for the A side, like they went for the B side remix. <laughs> well, that's that's really obscure. I like that. Yeah. So I mean, you think they would go to something like there is famous drum and bass artists like Ronnie Size. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that would be the obvious choice, and you know. Again, a lesser sitcom with less attention to detail. They would have just went with that, just went for the chart-friendly one. But they, they, cl- they clearly went down and, and dig deep. To yeah, find they were trying to find the most obscure thing yeah, they exactly, possibly yeah. could. And then we get a list of... Uh, they start missing Ted then when uh, when happens to have met Fintan Stack. Because uh, <laughs> he is he does seem to be right right arsehole. Well, the first thing he does is steal Ted's uh, cereal right out, of, yeah. <laughs> right out from his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's the part where uh, he says, I'm going to play some music. And uh, Ted says, very, very oh, go, go, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, like, even if you were a complete asshole, I still think that if somebody said, go ahead, you'd sort of take it. But now he, he goes, I wasn't asking permission. Yeah. <laughs> just is, it to, is it just completely stamp his authority? In the, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so, uh, Ted, Ted uh, tells us the mealtimes. So uh, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, half two. <laughs> yeah. They have a meal every two hours or so. And of course, if they're not well enough fed, Mrs. Doyle would be happy to fix them up something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, as, as we've already discussed, she, she's got a good line on making sandwiches anyway. Oh, yeah. She keeps herself busy anyway. But you're, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised that uh, Ted and Dougal aren't a bit fatter. Yeah, yeah they, they managed to keep their ship. Uh, yeah. But I suppose it, well, they wouldn't really drive much on the island, would they? They'd probably probably walk, not. Like, I, I know for a fact they walk to the shop. Yeah, John and Mary's. The only time you really see them driving is whenever they go onto the mainland. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah they probably just walk everywhere. Yeah. Use the car maybe once a week or something. Probably. But uh, then they're reminiscing about the times they, they had with Jack. I suppose when you think about it now, it, it was sort of funny, wasn't it, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time he gave you a big kick up the B-O-T-T-Y? <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember, Ted, do you remember when you were uh, bending over him yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he oh. held your nose uh, so tight that you had to open your mouth and then he dropped a big spider in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't funny, Dougal. <laughs> it was funny when he kicked you up the arse. <laughs> funny when he put the spider in my mouth. <laughs> that was Ted. No, it wasn't Dougal. As you said, so he, he doesn't like he doesn't like strangers, he doesn't like people he knows. Yeah. But it was funny when he did uh, when he did those things, like kick Dougal up the B-O-T-T-Y. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that um, whenever Ted's talking about that there, he says uh, whenever he kicks you up the B-O-T-T-Y trying to be very polite about it and then whenever Dougal remembers him put, putting the spider in Ted's mouth, he says that wasn't funny. It was funny when he kicked you up the arse. <laughs> yeah, the he, complete, yeah. he completely loses all his decorum and yeah. he just goes straight to the base element. Just make sure Dougal hurts more than he does. Yeah. <laughs> and then they went into a little montage of other memories of Jack. Uh, so they were about to put up, put up a frame, and uh, Jack decides to misappropriate the hammer from the nail head into yeah. Ted's head. <laughs> you couldn't exactly say he missed. I mean, that was definitely deliberate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then he sneaks uh, Ted's bath time. He yeah. sneaks up on him with yeah. a couple of pegs and gets him the nipple. Which, again, I tried to spot how they did that. There was no way. That, that looked like he had pegs on his nipples. It, it, yeah, it definitely did. And uh, I, I can't imagine that's a very pleasant experience. No, but no. It, it's all for the art. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then 
the t- uh, Jack's having or Ted's having another nice relaxing golf uh, game with a pigeon putt. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack just runs in from off screen and uh, just runs straight over. <laughs> and he, and every time he does it too, he has a massive grin on his face. Yeah. Like he thinks this is absolutely hilarious. Well, it was. It was funny, wasn't it? It was. It it? was yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with him. And again, like uh, we discussed the the stuntsmanship on the previous episode, so we discussed it last week with the, uh, with Turby. That hasn't actually been released yet, but the amount of time and and uh, budget they must have spent just on stuntmen. Yeah. Because I can't imagine they had Dermot Morgan flying over the bottom of that car. Like I don't think so. But then again, it it looks an awful lot like him. Yeah. So I mean, it, it might have been. There was another. There was another scene in a few other episodes where it was like I can't see how they've. I can't see where they've cut that. Yeah. Uh, with Jack as well. Right. Uh, where well, Jack just jumps through the window. Yeah. And you think, right? There hasn't been a cut there. Yeah. And, but Frank Kelly is like a six-year-old man. Is he really going to that nimble up a, up a windowsill like? Well, there was the one where he set his hair on fire. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's mean, a very dangerous stunt. Like, yeah. Like the insurance on that would be fucking. You know, if that was a Hollywood picture, you'd be having like you know a million dollars for that one episode for just for the insurance like oh yeah sure remember whenever Michael Jackson set his hair on fire it was a massive thing and he was in hospital for ages yeah yeah for the Pepsi ad yeah Pepsi really went the, the extra mile to get their to get their man in the frame eh? definitely yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they get visited uh, by the two priests I don't suppose you have their names do you I don't have them no no they're, they're pretty nondescript these two priests compared to some of the other visitors they have but they were just discussing other priests that they know so as you said we mentioned Father Bailey just looks dead uh, we had the priest who had a lump on his head in the shape of Connacht. Yeah, yeah. I can't even think what Connacht looks like. You see, it'd have sort of jagged edges around... Yeah, around Monaghan, or sorry, Mayo and Ma- uh, Galway. Yeah. Um, yeah, jeez, that would be... Uh, it would know. be an affliction, all right, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> I imagine if, if, it, if it looks like Connacht, I mean, Ulster's sort of like just one lump. Yeah. But, but I'd imagine that Connacht sort of has a lot of wee ridges and like lines out from it. Is that, is that, do you reckon that was overuse of mobile phones or something? Is Maybe that, that was back whenever mobile phones were really dangerous. Yeah, exactly. You know, they were they were just cancer sticks in your head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's a different. Uh, oh, yeah, that was sorry. That was a different Wendy Wendy Shepherd Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, there's loads four. Of them. Oh, at least. least. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they love coming up with their priests. Uh, the little you know the other priests that happen. Like, uh, I did remember reading an interview that uh, they were saying to have the setting in the priesthood. Just give them the excuse just to fly off the handle with this little bubble of other priests yeah. who can be up to all sorts. Well, I know um, I was watching uh, Comedy Connections for Father Ted. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen that one. No, but and I show, um, yeah. Arthur Matthews was on it. And he said that even the whole idea of having a show about priests came to him whenever he used to be in a band um, called... It was a U2 tribute band called the Joshua Trio. Right. And uh, that's a good name, actually. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And he said he used to come out and introduce himself, and he'd say, um, "If there's, if you see anybody at the back um, that can't see, uh, just say hello to them because they're here from the Monaghan School for the Blind." <laughs> and he said he just loved that thought of having, like priests all have their own personality. He said he would change it up sort of every week just to get a different personality. And there's so many. I mean, like you say, they're mentioning priests all the time. Yeah, they're just rattling them off. and. I mean, in the Christmas special, Mrs. Doyle goes through, I don't know how many. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't wait till they do that, actually. I want to see if there's any priests that have already been mentioned. Yeah. Uh, before we actually get, before she actually lands on Todd Unctuous. Yeah. Uh, a bit of an update, by the way, on the Todd Unctuous story. Have you been hearing about this? No. Uh, you know that the actor... 
Oh yeah. Gerbics already. Yes. It's now it's now on the on an OTR if you want because he's uh, he's right. got an arrest warrant out on him. Yeah. Uh, I think he has actually. Uh, I think he has actually been reprimanded now. I think he's been hauled before the uh, authorities. Yeah. I might be wrong. It was difficult finding details on it, but he seems to. Have it sounded like quite a comical thing that he did. Yeah. It was, was it flower pots or something? Yeah. Flower pots. Yeah. He broke a few flower pots, and some guy in Donegal decided to issue an arrest warrant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 that's that's small town policing, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It's a big crime. It gives them something to do. It's, it's like, the, up the, it's it's like the theft of a whistle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we get a phone call then uh, to Larry Duff because again he's absent. Yes. This one he uh, he starts off by with the uh, House of Cards. Yeah. And I, I like that one. I mean, it sort of leads you down one path of what you expect is going to happen. I mean, you thinking he's going to get the phone call. And the whole house of cards is just going to topple over. Yeah. And then he gets the phone call and he jars a wee bit, but that's not what happens. Exactly. So he goes to lift his phone while still concentrating on his house of cards with the last house up. It's, it's quite a high it's yeah. quite a high level. And well, he, was, he was on a ladder, so it, it was obviously really high. Oh, okay, really yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that must have been about 12 packs or something. But, uh, must have been. <laughs> he goes to, as you do, you know, when you're concentrating something, you go and yeah. absentmindedly search the other hand for your phone. Yeah. And instead he picks up a stapler <laughs> yeah. and just staples the side of his head. And that's what topples the house of cards when yeah. he falls off the ladder. Uh, again, not a fatal accident. No, in fact, seems to be. Is, uh, in fact, it doesn't. The only one that even looked like a fatal accident was the cliff, but as we've already explained. That was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so it, seems, it seems actually being getting less and less lethal. Yeah. Because last week, all it was was that he lost 10 grand, or he didn't win 10 grand. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, so he puts a stapler on his head, which is, uh, incidentally, and probably around this time as well, is when they started stapling people's heads to, instead of stitching, giving people stitches. Right. Have you ever had the staples, Ernie? I've never had them, no. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did. It sort of occurred to me whenever he had the stapler so close to hand, was he cheating? Because oh. whenever, whenever the, whenever the, uh, first call came in, and you know he he jarred a wee bit, the whole rest of the house of cards looked really steady. Ah, so okay. I'm sort of wondering, was was he cheating? Because why why else would you have a stapler if you're That's going very to true, actually. That's very true. Like right to hand as well. Yeah. See, you, you, you've uh, you've sussed him. It was within you, it was it was within arm's length. Uh, well, he's tremendous fun, but now we're finding out he's a tremendous cheat as well. Then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no staples, uh, staples in people's heads. Uh, I know a few people who've had staples in their heads. My brother, for example, yeah, fell, fell off a swing and. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So he had to get he had to go to hospital and get staples, right. and then I have heard of it happen on the side, just the side of a football pitch. Does it? Uh, is it for? bone breakages or is it for skin uh, I think it's skin I mean it'd have to be really deep tissue to hold a metal staple is, oh yeah well I suppose yeah um, I know that because you can just do a staple like instantaneously where stitches requires you know a, a proper sit down operation yeah which is the whole yeah six hours or whatever uh, so I think I thought that was just for handiness well I mean like they still do use staples so I don't know um, I think I don't know because I mean like you can use super glue too that's what super glue was originally invented for to close uh, gashes yeah right right well in rugby uh, what to do if it's a forehead uh, knock yeah they just uh, get a big wad of Vaseline and just put it on the way on the thing 
Yeah. And then whatever stickers or you know plasters they have, or do you want to call them sticky stitches? But basically, oh, the stitchers. Yeah. Well, not not the, not the ones you actually sew in, just the ones you stick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the vaseline would stop the blood flowing. Yeah. So it just clot behind the thing. Yeah, that's what they use in boxing too. Yeah, uh, the corner boys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then we get uh, they start watching the uh, the sports video, the sports day. Yeah. Did you have anything from the sports day in your notes? Um. Yeah. It turns out that um, the guy that wins it is actually a mate of uh, Graham Linehan's. Oh, really? Right. Called Ken, and apparently he shows up all the time. They've used him as extras many, many times. Oh, fantastic, right? Well, he, so, he was very proud to have won that trophy, anyway. He was very pleased with himself. Yeah, he was it? very pleased with himself, and he wasn't letting anybody take it off him. No, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> it did, as you say, as we said, it did uh, fall into a bit of a free-for-all. Yeah. And Dougal got his, his jibe in. My favourite event, though, was probably the uh, the last swimming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at the booking from, go there. Oh. <laughs> you, you don't really see that in, in too many sports days. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't have one in our school. It was, uh, I really wish I had it. Like, that could have been... Uh, we did, but we had things like, uh, you know, egg, spo- and egg and spoon and three-legged race and things like that there. There was no, there was definitely no, no bucking uh, broncos. No bucking broncos. <laughs> so, see, we missed out as children. Definitely. They would have had them in Texas, I can assure you. Uh, and then Finn Stack comes in. What are we watching? We're looking at the sports day. Lots of young fellas running around in shorts. That's the kind of thing you like looking at. And I bet you like that too. Well, you're probably imagining what they'd look like without shorts. You're sitting there imagining that with a big smile on your face, you dirty fecker. Father Stack, if you're trying to embarrass us, you're not succeeding. Yes, I am. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I think that you're a very rude man. If you ever say that to me again, I'll put your head through the wall. Well, you like watching that, little boys in their shorts. Yeah. You'd prefer it if they weren't wearing their shorts. <laughs> You're sitting there, thinking about that, you dirty fecker. With a big smile on your face. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant uh, performance of just, yeah. as you say, like, it took the aggression out of it, but gave it a much more, it was like, much more sinister. Curling. Yeah. It was less, it was less aggressive, but much more sinister. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, again, hitting the pedophile priest angle as well, but not, again, not as subtly as it did with, uh, with the rock star, Neve Connolly. Which yeah. Which says, just a hideaway for pedophiles. Yeah. But it was still in the consciousness. And, uh, it hit, they were obviously getting embarrassed as well. And it was almost as if, you know, the, the, uh, it was the priest making fun of another priest well, exactly, at that time yeah. as well. So, but um, that that was that was a great example of you know Arthur Matthews' awkwardness. Like, what would you do if you were in that situation? Yeah. And somebody said to you, you, "You'd like watching boys running around in shorts." Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, what can you say to that? Well, the Ted actually was all right. Like, he challenged him pretty pretty sternly. He says, "You're not embarrassing. You're, if you're trying to embarrass him, you're not. Yeah. You're not working." But he goes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knew what he was doing, and and then even whenever the other priest said he was a very rude man, yeah. you know, he 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 just said, "You say that to me again, I'll put your head through the wall." <laughs> well, the wall, the wall, the, uh, the wall of, well, of course, had been weakened because he's been drilling on it. Yeah, well, and it, and it looked like a stud wall anyway, so I don't think it would have hurt that yeah, much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but the thing is, if he had just turned his head and watched the TV, he would have seen there was no boys on at all. No, <laughs> and it was they, all, it was all adult priests. Yeah, why didn't they just point that out? It would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he, he spoils the sport for them. 
to be literally a sports board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he calls them girls. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, cutting insult. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he says goodbye, girls, and then he says bunch of wankers. Yeah. <laughs> bunch of wankers. Uh, so what else do you know, Brent and Grace, from them? Um. Well, that was that was the thing. Graham Linneman was actually saying on the commentary, like. He used to be really, really popular, almost like a cabaret. And uh, that was part of the reason why they actually got him, was they sort of wanted to bring him back, and they remembered him fondly from their childhood. And Ardlo Hanlon was saying the same thing, you know. Right. Remember him being... Didn't seem that old, though. No, but he had been around for a long time at right, that stage. Right. And um, now he just does bits of stand-up here and there. Um, uh, right, well, he's probably, he's probably feathered his nest at this point. I suppose at this point, like, he'd be yeah. 20 years older than what he is, what he was then. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I vaguely remember from TV, but I can't remember much of uh, much else of what he was in. I think he just started to stand up and things like yeah, that there. Yeah, so it was more of a stage, stage presence, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the other thing he does is he steals Jack's whiskey and donates uh, it to Dougal. <laughs> You go to Ted. How are you, <laughs> Dougal? What the? Guess what, Ted? What? What? Dougal, have you been drinking? I have, Ted. I've been drinking like a mad idiot. <laughs> no, no way, wait. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Dougal, I'm ashamed of you. Ted, 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 Ted. Come here, Teddy, Teddington. You're my best friend. God, I love being a priest. <laughs> We're all going to heaven, lads. Way. And we get our line of the show from Dougal being drunk. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love being a priest. We're all going to heaven, lads. Way. <laughs> but uh, when Dougal's defences are down, he does confirm what we've been what we've been suspecting that Dougal loves his little ensconced bubble that he's got himself into. Yeah. Where it's, it's just literally a safe space and a safe environment where. He can just be himself and not have any threats to him or anything, and yeah, it it shows his naivety in a way too. I mean, like he just, you know, he's just so content. And exactly, he's yeah. just so happy, and he just loves being a priest, and he's he's going to heaven. So he started, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so he's surprised that Dougal hasn't ever uh, ventured to the drinking before himself. No, you'd imagine with it with there being that much of it in the house that um, he would have tried a bit before. Yeah, just but out of sheer rebelliousness, but uh, no. I think um, I think he just needed the bad influence of Father Fenton Stack to well, lead him down the wrong path. Well, exactly. Yeah, I do. I do love this conspiratorial wink he tries to give uh, Fenton. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We weren't at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he just seems so repulsive because then he takes Ted Ted's keys and cleans out his ear yeah. with it, <laughs> and that's something like you see people do it sometimes, and you just think. It sort of makes well, it makes me cringe anyway. Yeah, yeah. But if somebody did it with my keys, I mean, it, it's bad enough watching somebody do it with their own keys. But if you if somebody did it with my keys, I would not be happy. You'd, you'd level them, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take your car and drive it into a big wall. <laughs> Which would be no, more annoying, him picking his ears with your keys, or him driving your car into a wall? Well, I suppose you don't really need your keys anymore because <laughs> yeah. uh, your car's been driven into a wall. But think of the insurance. You claim it was stolen. Oh yeah, big time. Would that, would that put your insurance premiums up there? Would it? It could do, yeah. But uh, I'd say insurance premiums in Craig End are probably quite low if you think about the crime rate. Well, yeah, true. Actually, true. Uh, well, they're selling crack cocaine in the streets, and the pimps have to get their whores in line. And well, that's what could happen. <laughs> it, it starts off with the stealing of a whistle, but it could escalate to that. Drive-by shootings in the night. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and then Mrs. Doyle comes in. Now, uh, as you know, we've been counting her agoons. And yeah. I did mention before, I didn't want to count these ones because she didn't actually say them. So, you're not, so you're not counting them? Well, I did actually count how many she did. Yeah. 13. Right. I obviously can't play the clip because it's all visual. Yeah. So if we were to add that on, she'd currently be on 44. Right. But as it is, she's still on 31. I'll actually let you. What do you think? Should I should I count them? Should I add them? Or to be honest, I I would count that because I think that there's the part that cements it that culminates in, it in yeah. like the public psyche before, like you say, it's something that maybe attributed to her. The only time whenever she went on the really long spiel of them was the time whenever uh, they had um, the guy over from the BBC. Yeah, and uh, so I think whenever she did that, I mean, obviously. The public were aware of it before, otherwise the joke wouldn't have worked. But exactly, I think yeah. this cemented it. And I mean, like any time you see reruns or people showing the best bits of Father Ted, that's always part of it. And so. it's, a, it's a gif and everything now. It's a perfect looping gif because yeah. it, uh, the way she just does it in a perfect rhythm. Yeah. You can cut the gif perfectly. And right, I like then. the way whenever she gets to the last one as well, like she, with with the uh, with the syllables of go on, she's actually... Yes, she does it twice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can nearly, you can nearly hear it. You in can your almost head. hear it. So I, I think the fact that you can basically hear her saying it in your head is why it has to be counted. All right, okay then. I'm sold. So yeah. we're up to forty-four then. Okay. Still don't think it's a cash raise. No, I think, <laughs> I think I'm defeated in that count. But uh, forty-four so far yeah. in fourteen episodes. So that's uh, a few per episode. But if you take twenty-five plus thirteen, if you take thirty-eight of them away. You're still only down to six. Yeah. So. Well, they didn't. I mean, it's a credit to them that they didn't pedal it out as a catchphrase. Exactly. Exactly. It was only yeah. used a couple of times. And speaking of catchphrases, I think Dougal's got one that's sort of been passed by. He goes, "Wow." The way he says "Wow." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like I picked up on that uh, when I'm doing my Father Dougal thing, uh-huh. and I try and use that, but it, it hasn't really hit con- public consciousness quite as much as yeah. drink fake or scares or anything. Uh, but yeah, so when they when Dougal hears that they're going to go kidnapping Father Jack. We're going to kidnap Jack from St. Clavers. Kidnapping? Wow! What will we get from him? <laughs> Shut up, Dougal. You ready? I'm with you, Ted. Right, so let's go then. Hello? Wow! Kidnapping! And what will we get from him? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so they go up and they go to St. Clavert or Jurassic Park as it was known. Yeah. And they try and kidnap Jack back. Dougal doesn't seem too keen to go. Um, he doesn't? Whenever whenever they're leaving the house, he goes back in. And then it seems very surprised to see Ted at the door whenever he <laughs> yeah. him. And then obviously whenever they reach there, then he runs down the yard instead of up. But, yes. But so. he, was, he was a bit more... He, he went back that time. Well, it, yeah, it, Ted had to drag him. Like t- Ted is... Ted is a bad influence on Dougal, I think. Ted's the driving influence here. Yeah. Well, we, we've already discussed is Ted's compulsive liar. Like yeah. Here he is, uh, and a breaking and entering sister. <laughs> yeah. And kidnapping. <laughs> and kidnapping, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so they've grown the uh, grown the Jurassic Park. I really shouldn't be here. Drink, 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 drink. It's again something that came from the commentary. Um, Graham Lennon said he didn't like that part. You know the part where they have the torch and he goes around and you know um, he says that 
the guy who says I really shouldn't be here he says every time he sees it he just sort of cringes really doesn't like it at all right because I thought I thought he was going to say he didn't like the fact that all the priests were just doing the same thing like he, he thought he would want to be a bit more original with each yeah one. he said he said it was a, a lot of repetitiveness and the the guy he really shouldn't have been there well that was a joke like yeah uh, what i was going to mention about that bit is that uh usually for something like that that would be the last one and then the next one would be jack yeah whereas that they didn't they put it like about four from the end yeah so he goes i really shouldn't be here yeah arse drink and then they land on jack uh, yeah so uh you they were trying to but I didn't realise he was so um No, and Ardell O'Hanlon actually said that he really liked it and he was he was a big fan of it, but no, Graham didn't. Well apparently I need to I need to listen to these uh, do the DVDs too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might need to borrow them off you so, right. so we can get the commentaries. But uh the uh yeah, they were saying that a lot of the commentaries were just him just badmouthing the show. It's like, Oh god, that could have been so much better. Yeah. Um it, they seem to have very high standards for themselves. Well it was their first big show. It has gone down in comic history now. I mean, yeah, it's you know, a, it's now a, you know a, an imprint of Irish culture, and you know you have twenty years of extra experience, which you can look back on and say, oh, I should have done it this way, I should have done it that way. Yeah. But I mean, whenever you, whenever you look at, it, they were, they were writing sketches. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, up up to that point, their most famous sketch was Ted and Ralph on the Fast Show. Uh, which which two of those? I know they wrote for the fast show, but which? Um, it was you the know the, the you know the farmer yeah. and his assistant or whatever, and uh, you know the, the drainage in the lower fields or you know that guy. Is he, is he the one that uh, Paul Whitehouse <coughs> was the farmer yes. and the uh, the estate owner was fancying him? That one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Up, uh, up until that point, that was sort of their most successful, and they were writing for Armando Iannucci or somebody, and maybe. Chris Morris, I think, as well. Yeah, I think it were Chris Morris. They, they actually did uh, Little Britain as well, right. would you believe? Um, yeah. So, you know, they were they were, they were sort of milling around, uh, you know, the early, in the early 90s, right up until, like, the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, so they were writing sketches, and then they make this sitcom that's... I know. Yeah. That's and apparently it started out that um, they came to... Uh, Jeffrey Perkins was the uh, producer. Okay. Sorry, we're back in South Central again. Yeah. I, I said that last week flippantly we're in South Central and all the sirens are going past and then I realised afterwards we are actually in South Central Belfast true yeah because uh, <laughs> so. yeah uh, but you're Jeffrey Perkins right? yeah so Jeffrey Perkins was the producer on the first first series and uh, they came to him with an idea for a documentary a, mo- a mockumentary about priests right um, okay they so this would have been for the mockumentary style I suppose wouldn't it um, not really you still would have had um, brass eye and things like that around oh, that yeah, time. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they came to him with that idea, and he said, you know, that he didn't think it would work. But he said that there was so much good material in it that he had to. He said, it's not going to work as a documentary. We need to get this as a sitcom. Right. Okay. And then they went to Channel Four, and I can't remember what it was they had done. I think it might have been something about hippies. Right. That they had on Channel Four, and it absolutely tanked. Uh, like a previous sitcom like a previous sitcom and it was apparently just awful it was Paris actually it was about an artist and it was along with Omid Dajili he was in it Um, and it it completely tanked and then he had to they had to go back to the same Channel 4 guy to get them to 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 give a green light to a sitcom about 
priests in Ireland and uh, you know with relatively unknown actors so they said it was a really hard sell um, and I can imagine yeah for- it was Seamus somebody was he was actually he's, he sounds like he's from Derry right okay and he was the guy from Channel 4 that they had to convince and he said that it was too Irish right because you would you would thought that if you were from Ireland and you were working yeah. Channel 4 in England like oh, that's I get it, but nobody else will like. But uh, there was two other people, who he was along with, who were through and through English, and they said, "Well, we get it. We don't think it's too Irish." So Perfect, that's how it eventually yeah. went through. And he said that for a script, it's not very often that the words just jump off the page and actually make you laugh out loud whenever you're reading it. And he said right. that that's the way it was with that script. So. And th- that would have been down with this sort of thing episode I suppose because I know that was the first one well that was intended to be the first one they broadcast right uh, but but that, that script was genuinely so tight like there was no lulls in that one yeah like even today's episode there was a few lulls which I wasn't expecting uh-huh. like for the first laugh after the um, after the opening scene like there's another laugh for four or five minutes like right uh, and any laughs that are pretty standard sitcom fare like they're yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas that, that script was just so yeah, it was so fully formed. So yeah, I mean, it's all killer, no filler. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, well, and then they get uh, they do eventually break Jack out after a second attempt after they got uh, <laughs> Father Walton was it? Father Walton, yeah. Uh, stage twelve. Stage twelve. I never thought I'd see one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the camera shot they used reminded me of Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, where I just shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know why, because we were last week. They always had a very uh, Pulp Fiction reference uh, at the end, so maybe it, it was in my head for that reason. But maybe I don't know if they were intentionally doing that or just that was they could just look around and. Yeah, I, su- I suppose it's the only real camera angle you can have to get a good view of his face. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'm actually thinking of when from the back seat. Oh right, priest, yeah. Looking, looking yeah. back towards him, the famous Tarantino shot is of course from inside the boot. Yeah, which is always, which now is definitely a reference to Tarantino. Which yeah. you can't do it now without. Yeah, he's on in every film, but uh, yeah. So they get him out, and he he comes back. <laughs> he dismounts that car. Was fucking. Uh, he's very that keen, was isn't a, he? That was the stunt I was thinking of. It was right. definitely Frank Kelly who jumped out of that car. Yeah, and that car was moving, and he did that with fucking precision, and yeah. he didn't break stride or anything. Well, that was one thing. Another thing from the commentary. Uh, Graham Lennon says that he wished he'd fallen over <laughs> and then he said but but then again you know he's a, he's a 60 odd year old man yeah, exactly. it, might not have been, it might not have been very good for him but he said he, it would have been just so much funnier if he'd fallen over <laughs> well I think it worked anyway just the fact that he, he was he had the door open he was ready just to oh, pile yeah. out he was the, keen he was very keen yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually reminded me have you watched Black Sails the Pirates TV show no it's no. genuinely one of my favourite shows at the minute Right. It's it's the first show in years that's made me feel like a ten year old, like where I'm Come on the good guys, oh you stupid bad guys doing yeah, that sort of way. Right. Uh, and one of the heroes in it dismounts a horse in full movement, he just uh, swings his legs over the horse's head and just drops down without breaking stride and just is, gets into a walk. Right. Fucking amazing looking. That would be class. Uh, so that's what uh, Jack did at first though. Yeah. <laughs> From a moving vehicle, not a, a horsepower, not a horse. Yeah, so everything goes back to normal when uh, Jack is uh, sequestered into an isolation booth because uh, the chair is infected with the hairy, pe- hairy priest yeah. disease. Yeah, so uh, Dougal apologises to Ted for not disinfecting the chair 
and he says it was probably his fault that that fella got the hairy hands thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Ted was too bothered about it. No, and, I don't think and, so. And no. seemed quite happy to have Jack back, even if he is in a big, glowing green. Well, that's exactly isolation the tent. So he's there. He's just uh, yeah. not making any noise. But yeah. <laughs> it felt a bit. It felt a bit unresolved when they got rid of. It yeah. felt like he, he deserved a headbutt or something like that. Because <laughs> all you really get then is him in St. Clabert's and then whenever the lights go out, his music comes yeah, on. He plays jungle music, yeah. But you would have sort of liked him, I don't know, to get some sort of retribution. Well, yeah. I, suppose, I suppose the hairy hands was, was his retribution of sorts. Retribution, yeah. but um, I don't know, it, it didn't, it, it seemed quite tame. Yeah, it just felt like, like Ted and Ted's been punished much worse for yeah. lesser offences. Like, yeah. Uh, in the show, like he's 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 encountered physical pain where he's had to all body cast and stuff. Like, yeah. so I don't know, a broken nose or two wouldn't have gone amiss. Like, no, because even like the nun doesn't come down and reprimand him or exactly. anything. He just the music plays and then the camera cuts away. Uh, how how would, how would you deal with that though? If uh, a place full of old uh, crabbed priests, I reckon got a few I'd nuns. be stealing batteries out of that thing he would find a way I'm sure he'd just drill through the wall <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there's another power tool in the house by the way yeah they seem to have a, they have a right uh, a right set of them they do in the back shed yeah. somewhere <laughs> well that's the way it is in sort of houses you sort of just gather up power tools mm-hmm. as you go through your life and you then accumulate I, I suppose they've inherited this house from the last priests who were there he probably left all their stuff so you could have any number of things yeah true actually yeah well, we discussed it's a massive house and what could possibly be in all the rooms. Yeah. But uh, Power Tools is obviously one room anyway. Must be, yeah. yeah. Uh, was there anything else that you want to speak about in your notes? No, that's everything. Um, just like you say, it ends off with going back to the the Sports Day video, which I think is a nice touch because you don't really get to see that much of it because Father Stack comes in and sort of interrupts it. So yeah. um, I thought it was quite interesting that uh, Dougal sort of just gets the slight kick in but Ted's you know always more worried about how things look yeah yeah he's, 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 got he's going over to try and get the camera off so I think uh, it, it sort of it in a way it sort of uh, encapsulates both their characters quite well well uh, now that you mention that I haven't realised Ted does that action quite a lot where he pushes the camera away yeah he uh, clearly doesn't like the glare of the camera no, as, much he, as, as much as he says he, he thinks he does yeah as so, much as he, th- he thinks he'd love to be on TV or whatever I don't think he likes being scrutinised like exactly, that exactly yeah. he doesn't like the full glare of the media spotlights yeah. yeah which I'd imagine was very uh, would have been shedding very bright on him when the money was resting in his account I'd say it probably was yeah so <laughs> you know him coming out of a him coming out of a tribunal of some sort and cameras flashing everywhere he wouldn't have been wouldn't Definitely. have been too happy yeah um, but your thoughts on the episode then overall um, I liked it um, I think it seemed like a, a solid episode like you say there was bits of it that maybe weren't as good as others but on the whole it was still a good episode I, I, I don't think I'd put it in your uh, list for the top uh, I don't think so either top uh, I don't think it's a top 5 contender I thought it would be but having watched it I don't think it's I think it's merited enough yeah uh, it is it's not just a situation like uh, like Father Stone where a great character sort of papered over a very slow episode or anything. It was a good episode as well. Yeah. I yeah. don't. It, it'll be an upper mid card episode. Like it'd be sort of. Yeah. Uh, a Tottenham Hotspur rather than a. 
Chelsea or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even use them them uh, anymore. Like the, uh, the home Chelsea, league's Chelsea didn't do very well yeah. last, last year. So uh, I'm just gonna have a quick check to see what to see what uh, IMDb give it. Solid, solid, but not spectacular. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, there was definitely some memorable bits in it. Like every time that Brenton Grace on the screen, it was memorable. Like yeah, and it has that Mrs. Doyle part with the cards and you know. Yeah, Grace's like, line of putting your head through the walls one that gets carted out now and again exactly exactly uh, so IMDB give it a 8.2 although the next episode gets 8.7 which is the airplane episode which I don't remember that fondly yeah it was I didn't think it would have been better than this one uh, well we'll see next week um, yeah hopefully Some, sometimes you remember things a bit differently than whenever you watch them yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, see, I haven't I haven't actually seen the airplane episode all that often as well. Yeah. So that might also be colouring it, but yeah. So I'll just go through some of the ratings from from season two. So the highest the highest two was Hell, which was Graham Norton's episode, right. and Song for Europe, which yeah. was the Eurovision episode. Yeah. After that, well, the lowest episode was the Rockahoolet Head, which was Neve Connolly. Oh right, yeah. Which I would agree with. I do think that yeah. that probably is the weakest of the series. I'd say yeah, I'd, um, I'd go with that. Well, yeah. So, well, thanks very much for coming, coming all the way up here. No problem. Doing all your notes and everything, and yeah, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was a good call. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, also big news: we are performing at Culture Night, Culture Night Belfast, on the sixteenth of September, brilliant. Friday night, uh, which will be brilliant. So that'll yeah. be a live episode, so people will be invited to come down and watch us. Oh. Uh, so we'll try and get everyone down as much as we can and very good hopefully you'll be there yeah. uh, but thanks very much for listening uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes we are on uh, Reddit as well we've got if you go to the Father Ted subreddit uh, we have discussion forums there we've got our facebook.com slash ecumenical matters yeah thanks very much for listening and bless you